Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, and joined by, as always, my co-host, Mr. James Johnson of the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. Jay, how are you doing? Uh, it's been a little bit since we talked, so how's uh, how's everybody doing? Are you and the family safe and healthy? Yeah, I hope you and your family are safe as well. But yeah, we're fine. We're healthy. Uh, we're trying to stay put as much as possible, uh, avoid big crowds as, you know, they've been stressing the CDC and government officials have. So we've done our best to do that. And uh, yeah, I'm here to talk some NFL draft is we are at draft week going to be exciting to say the least, even though this is going to be one of those unconventional drafts that we have never seen before. And it's going to bear surprises and this, that and other. But you know, can't wait for the draft. Going to have plenty of content coming up on the Jaguars wire, man. I'm just going to be like exhausted by the time this week is over with, but I'm ready for it, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's finally draft week. And, you know, like I said, uh, we've said before, we're all just kind of navigating this new normal as it is being called. And again, extend our our um, hopes and wishes that you and your families are safe and home as well. And uh, yeah, like Jay said, stay at home if you can. Don't go out to Jacksonville Beach in large groups. But anyway, we won't talk about that. <laughs> I, won't get on, I won't get on the soapbox about that. But we do have a very, very special episode. We were able to speak with a, uh, a colleague of ours here at the Believe Podcast Network and NFL draft analyst over at Pro Football Network, Tony Pauline. We will get to that interview here in just a moment. Before we begin, though, I do want to make sure that you guys are, uh, if you do enjoy the show, one of the best things you can do is subscribe, of course, on Apple Podcasts, but also leave us a review. That's one of the best ways you can support the podcast. And shout out to those of you, of course, who have already done that. We thank you so, so much. We're also available on all of your favorite podcast networks, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find myself on Twitter at PhilTheFilipino. That is F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Shouts out to all of the new people that uh, followed us on Twitter the, as far as the Believe in the Jags pod Twitter account. And Jay, in just a moment here, I will reveal, real, will reveal the results of our Twitter poll, which got awesome, awesome feedback. So thank you guys for participating in that. If you are interested in advertising the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. So without further ado, guys, let's get into our interview with draft expert Tony Pauline. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Believe in Jags podcast. We got our guest here, uh, Tony Pauline, who is also with the Believe in the Draft Analyst podcast with Chris Chaprody. I'm going to be riding this one solo uh, as Phil. uh, He was having some issues on Zoom, so I'll take care of it and uh, we'll join Phil on the other side of the podcast. I got about five questions for you, Tony. Uh, I spoke to you before in the past, uh, back in uh, when the Jaguars drafted Blake Bortles. So up uh, but like fills in. So yeah, um I, I've had a conversation with you before in the past and uh you, you gave us some good insight, but this time we'll kind of just stick to the prospects. This time I guess I'll start off with uh the news that just broke uh, roughly an hour ago, and that's uh Leonard Fournette. Uh Adam Schefter is reporting that he is on the trade block at least, or the Jaguars are at least open to trading him. 
Uh, so what are your thoughts on that real quick? I know you stick to more of the draft analyst side of things. And also, while we're at it, who are some of your top running backs in this class, just in case the Jaguars trade him and have to go that route? Well, you know, I think with the Jaguars, with so many uh, so many holes, or at least a good amount of holes, and the fact that they got two first-round picks, uh, and also the fact that they did select uh, – Raquel Armstead last year in the uh, fifth round, who's a solid back. Right. You know, if if they could get the price that they want for Leonard Fournette, it's not a good, it's not a bad idea to move him, or at least consider moving him. He's had some injury issues. I don't think he's ever really uh, lived up to the expectations or or the promise after his rookie season. So I, I think with an, uh, you know with Fournette and and Yoke, if they could get extra selections. I mean, that, that's something that uh, they absolutely are open to. As far as my top backs, I, I mean, I only see one. I have two backs with first-round grades right now. That would be uh, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. I think it's questionable that Taylor goes in the first round. I think DeAndre Swift should go in the first round, but he's likely to fall in the second round. After that, it's guys like J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and those are really only the pure feature backs. Those are really only the guys that you're going to want to be consistent starters. Maybe A.J. Dillon, but he's more of a downhill, grinded out, old-time back from 15, 20 years ago that really doesn't fit a lot of offenses in the NFL these days. Right, right. Yeah, that's understandable. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fan of – I know they the Jaguars spoke with Cam Akers at the Combine, at least don't know about, like, have they spoken with him uh, recently? But that's another name that keeps popping up. So I guess, like you said, we'll see how that goes. And, and you're right, yeah, he's had injury issues. He's had issues staying healthy. And, I mean, you know, they have 12 picks, and some people will say, why do they need more picks? But, hey, they could find a guy to replace him in this draft. Uh, only time will tell. But uh, we got Phil back, so I'm going to let him take the next question. Yeah, thanks, James. I was glad I was able to get this figured out. Tony, thanks for joining us. I was excited to speak with you, so I'm glad I got it to, to work out here on our end. So there's a lot of talk coming from a, a lot of people here about, uh, about them going quarterback. They've been mocked, you know, Herbert, Tua, Jordan Love. Um, you know, and then also speaking of Tua, you know, what do you think the latest is on teams, you know, viewing his injury situation? And do you think any of those guys would be a fit here? I, I think they have to absolutely consider a quarterback. If a, if, a, if a talented quarterback falls into their laps, whether it's a Herbert in round one, you know, in the top 10, or we, whether it's a Jordan Love with that second first round pick, you know, is Gardner Minshew your future franchise quarterback? Uh, I mean, he played well at times last year. I, I just don't know that you're going to rely on Minshew to be a guy that's going to start for you every down. So I absolutely think that if they sh – I think they should, and I think they will consider a quarterback if one of the guy – you know, if the Herbert drops to them uh, at top 10, like I said, or, or Jordan Love drops to them with their second pick. As far as two is concerned, I don't think he's going to slide all that much. We'll have to wait and see. He's still my highest-rated quarterback in this year's draft. He's the best passer. He's got the best body of work when you compare it to Joe Burrow. He's a better downfield thrower than Joe Burrow, better accuracy down the field, does a great job commanding and controlling the offense, which Burrow did this year. But I, I think Tua has done it over the long haul or obviously over a longer period than Burrow. The questions are, you know, what's up with the medicals? You know, how do teams view it? And teams don't all view it the same. It's not parallel from each team. Tua's got injury issues. It's not just the hip. It's the ankle. It's the knee. And team doctors are going to look at this, and they're going to give their opinions on what they think about Tua, not just for 2020 season. What they're looking at also and weighing heavily is, will he be healthy enough to make it to the second contract? If the answer is yes, teams are not going to be fine with Tua. If the answer is there are concerns about that, they can either flag him which means he's going, you know, he's going to be given a, a half a round to a full round sort of penalty, if you will, or they could fail him, which means they'll take him off the board uh, altogether. I think what's going to happen with Tua is, going to, is, is what happened with Montez Sweat a year ago. If you remember Montez Sweat, 
he had the pre-existing heart condition. And there were some people say he was going to drop. He's going to drop into the second day, he may drop out of uh, into the third day of the draft. Eventually what happens is the reward becomes greater than the risk. And I think with each team that needs a quarterback, they will look at Tua unless they've completely failed them where the reward is greater than the risk. And I, I tend to think with Tua, when you watch the film, uh, it, it really that reward uh, risk factor begins, you know, no, uh, no later than the 12th pick. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I remember, uh, I do remember the sweat situation and how that fell out. So yeah, yeah. I didn't really put two and two together and look back at that situation, but now that you mentioned it, yeah, that is kind of similar. So, uh, that being said, uh, I actually asked this. Uh, it was one of the questions we wanted to get to beforehand, but I just uh, I haven't seen your latest mock, and I, I wanted to know like uh, what do you think the Jaguars' needs are that need to be addressed like in the first round at least with their two picks. I mean, I know you spoke on the quarterbacks, of course, if one falls to them, but uh, what are some like some other needs that you think they could fill with the number nine and number twenty pick? Well, I mean, I'll have my mock out on uh, on Wednesday uh, at, at Pro Football Network. You know, everyone says that they got to look at defensive tackle. Uh, if Derek Brown is there, slides to them. I think that's fantastic value. My my problem with uh, defensive tackle is they've drafted heavily, or they've done. You know, they've put a lot. Of, they've put uh, expended a lot of capital on the defensive line. At some point in time, you just got to let it go. You got to see what Taven Bryan gets because what happens is if you keep making early picks or first round picks at one unit, holes are going to kind of uh, start to bubble up in, in other areas. So, you know, I think if Derek Brown is there, I think that's the exception to the rule because Derek Brown uh, is such an outstanding talent. I would not take Javon Kinlaw that early. Um, Obviously, they need help on the offensive line as well. I mean, it seems they eternally need help on the offensive line, both inside and outside. So I think defensive tackle is also a position that uh, they would look at. And obviously, cornerback, which is why I think C.J. Henderson is going to be consideration with that ninth pick. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing either one of those guys. I'm definitely very high on Derek Brown, so we'll see where that goes. Speaking about the defensive line, you know, of course, with the draft coming up, a lot of talk is going to be, you know, brought up as far as Yannick Ngakwe. Um, do you think there are any suitors for him if the Jags do trade him? And, uh, you know, you already talked a couple on there. Do you think there are any prospects later on in the draft that might be good as far as finding a replacement for him? Well, I, I, I had talked a couple of months ago before the whole coronavirus hit that the Seattle Seahawks were absolutely interested in Ngakwe. In, in, in I know I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, but I think Jaguars and other teams who had players they wanted to trade or wanted uh, free agents they wanted to sign uh, were basically caught off guard when everything was shut down because of the coronavirus. I, I think there will be a market for Inyokwe because what happens at the pass rusher spot, the defensive end spot is, after Chase Young, it falls off a cliff. I mean, you're, you know, it, it's almost a full round, uh, late first round before your next best pass rusher uh, is going to come off the board. Uh, and, and I think it's a situation where a team may get itchy where they don't like any of the pass rushers on the board. They, uh, you know, they need a pass rusher and they pick up the phone and they call it the Jaguars about Yannick. It's just a matter of, do they meet the Jaguars' price? Now, the problem with, with that is the longer the Jaguars hold on to a guy who's already said he doesn't want to play there, the less leverage they have, and it's, it's more a situation where they may have to give him away for less than market value. Uh, there's a lot of dynamics. I, I think there's a good chance he's going to be traded uh, on draft night. We'll have to see what kind of maneuvering happens. I don't know that they're going to get a first round of form. I think they could get a second round uh, selection. Um, I would be surprised if he's not uh, if he's not moved on draft night. I would be too, just because I don't I don't know if they want to run that risk of keeping him and not getting anything for him and him just sitting out. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. We'll see exactly where he goes, and I know the, the price tag is probably high on him. I, that might be part of the issue too, but uh, I guess uh, time will tell, and, and draft night might be 
uh, the night that he's moved. We'll see. Uh, but my question, my next one is, uh, how do you personally view this receivers class? A lot of people have been, uh, you know, very excited about it and enamored with the talent that it provides. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on it. I think it's a deep class. I don't think there's any superior talent at the top. I think you got two guys there and Jerry Judy and CD lamb. They're different types of receivers, but the kind of cluster together. Then you got Henry Ruggs, who's a great athlete. But if you draft Henry Ruggs in the middle of round one, you're drafting him to be your number one receiver. And Henry Ruggs was your number four at best number three receiver at Alabama. So I don't think there's any superior talent at the top. I do think that when you get into the late part of round one, literally through the fourth round, maybe even the fifth round, you're going to get a good receiver. You're going to get a guy that could be potentially number one or number two at the next level. A lot of number three receivers and guys that I think will be productive players at the next level. So I like the quality of the quantity over the quality uh, starting in the late first round through the fourth round. Uh, I think you got three guys up there who are good, but they're not superior talents as opposed to say the offensive tackles where you've got a lot of, a lot of great talent at the top. Yeah. It's really interesting. I wrote that question G because, you know, just as Tony just, um, displayed there, you, you ask three different people, you're going to get three different answers. So it's going to be very fascinating to see how the reaver receivers pan out, but our, our move on to our very last question here, uh, Jay and Tony. So the Jaguars have been known to take chances on players. I think the name that we've heard a lot here is, as far as the number nine pick is CJ Henderson. Are there any names that you think could go higher than expected uh, coming up this weekend? No. And, and the re well, I think Andrew Thomas could go much earlier than expected. He could be the fourth pick of the draft. I like Andrew Thomas a lot. I've always liked Andrew Thomas. I think he's the best. I think I have him graded slightly below Tristan Worse, but I think he's the best left tackle prospect uh, in this year's draft. So I think he could go much higher than uh, people think. I think what's going to happen is because of the way the war rooms are set up this year and the fact there really is no war room and you've got player, you've got the general managers and scouts and, and coaches and directors of scouting and player personnel that are scattered all over doing this on this, uh, on, on their computer. I know of a number of general managers who are not all that upset with the situation because they're not going to have a head coach barking in their ear, you know, demanding or saying that we've got to take, player xyz when the general manager's in favor of, of player abc what am i dra uh, what am i uh, dragging on about i don't think unless it's because of a medical issue like tua unless it's because of a character issue that we find out about i, I don't think you're going to see many major surprises as far as i'm concerned even andrew thomas if he goes four to the giants perhaps i, I don't even think that's that much of a huge surprise well, again, something we're, we're all excited to see because, of course, this is going to be a draft like we have never seen before, and it'll be interesting to see how teams adapt. But that's pretty much all we got for you here, Tony. We thank you so much for, for coming on. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about anything and, and plug anything. I know you said your next mock draft will be out on Wednesday, and, of course, make sure you check out Tony and Chris on Believe in the Draft Panelists. So anything else, Tony, you want to let our listeners know? No, I, I mean, for the Jaguar fans, at Pro Football Network, we have, uh, or I have, rankings of more than 1,000 players. We will have scouting reports for approximately 800 players. Um, so if you're interested in, a, in the name that you're not familiar with, uh, that the Jaguars select in the late rounds, or even the third round like last year, when that pick caught everybody by surprise, or uh, some of the guys that they sign as undrafted free agents. I'm sure we'll have all the information on those players at Pro Football Network. Absolutely, guys. Believe in the Jaguars podcast, bringing you the absolute best guest. And uh, we are really happy to have Tony on. So, Tony, thanks so much. We're going to be hanging out with you tomorrow for this AFC South roundtable. So we're excited to see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for your time. I hope you and your family are safe and healthy. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side of this thing. <laughs> thanks for having me.
right, guys, there it is. A lot of interesting stuff that we were able to get in with Tony. And again, shout out to him. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And we definitely hope that you guys enjoyed all of that content. So, uh, Jay, we'll get to what he said here in, in just a moment. We want to call, talk about a couple of things that he addressed. Uh, before we do start, though, I wanted I, I did just mention we had an awesome response from our last episode. So we put up a poll on Twitter at Believe in the Jags pod. And uh, as far as who fans think will be the next entrant into the pride of the Jaguars, the options that we put up were Maurice Jones-Drew, Rasheen Mathis, Marcus Stroud, and John Henderson as a duo or other. So honestly, Jay, I wasn't too surprised with the results. I don't know if you were, but here's how it ended. Maurice Jones-Drew got 53% of the vote. Rasheen Mathis with 25%. Marcus Stroud and Henderson as a duo, 19%. And other got three percent, and one person uh, shouts out to that Twitter user who I will bring out, bring up right here, which was uh, Jaguars underscore GM who mentioned Paul Pozlesny, which I think was a really, really good pick. Um, but runaway winner was Maurice Jones Drew. Again, like I said, I wasn't too surprised. Uh, but uh, again, 153 votes. Thank you so much to Jaguar Twitter, Jay. We know how awesome of a group that is. So thanks so much to them. Yeah, absolutely, man. We appreciate everybody participating. And I mean, even going further, they've uh, been very receptive on iTunes, as as you said. You know, we don't uh, we have all five star reviews right now. Uh, Feel free to go and check that out as well and give us some more reviews and give us more constructive criticism uh, and what have you. But, yeah, I wasn't surprised with the results. Uh, I think, you know, when me and you had this conversation, like the first name that literally came out of our mouth was Maurice Jones Drew. So, I mean, I guess you could say we kind of felt similar on that. And then, um, of course, the second was was Mathis. And I mean, it was pretty much uh, the way we spoke on the conversation uh, in terms of the chronological order was how it's basically put on the polls. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that it, it came out as it did. Glad that people participated. Appreciate everybody that did. Um, I also, yeah, like you said, I agree that uh, Paul Puzlesny is a name to definitely consider to put in there because he spent many, many years here with the Jaguars and was a very big part of that locker room and, and keeping things together on and off the field. So, yeah, definitely uh, he's a guy to consider. And, yeah, man, uh, once again, everybody appreciate it. We'll have another poll up on Monday. We'll reveal that later. And uh, we hope you all participate in that as well. Absolutely, folks. So be on the lookout for that very next poll that we're going to put up here on Monday. So, that being said, Jay, let's move into some of our topics. Of course, we have a lot to talk about when it came uh, comes to what Tony had mentioned. But we want to talk about first about some news that broke today. At the time of recording, it is currently April 18th here at about uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So, Jay, a report came out that the Jaguars have had some preliminary talks about possibly trading running back Leonard Fournette. It's kind of funny because I think that's something we kind of mentioned uh, when we previewed the running backs a couple of weeks ago. Not necessarily that he would be traded, but we probably didn't see him. Uh, extending his time here uh, past this season. It's an interesting, um, the timing is very interesting because of course he did some media rounds. He was on, I believe, first take this past week talking with Stephen A. Smith, Molly, and um, the other guy, Max Kellerman. (laughs) Why Why did I not remember? But yeah, Max Kellerman. But he was on there kind of talking about addressing his comments about an Instagram post that he had made as far as the Jaguars bringing in Cam Newton And, you know, he would go on to say, no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, but, you know, we all know what happens when the term no disrespect to (laughs) so-and-so comes. It's always followed by disrespect. So it's very interesting. It it, To me, Jay, I don't know how you feel, but it just really seems like they're not going to have anybody in this locker room that is going to to deter Gardner Minshew from being everything he can be. They are going to go all in on him this year. And they're not going to have any naysayers in that locker room. What do you make of some of these reports? Yeah, I mean, it, it could or could not have something to do with the Gardner Minshew thing. But when you look at the timing, that's that's the key word you use there. When you look at the timing thing, man, it's not only, you know, did it come after he made those statements, but you could argue that maybe this has something to do with it. It came the week of the draft, which that's when talks in, in terms of trading players gets high anyway. You know, even aside from the Gardner Minshew comments, uh, you know, like maybe the Jaguars didn't have plans to uh, give him his fifth year option or whatever the case may be. You know, he has been acting kind of weird in terms of his social media. You know, he deleted all of the pictures some months ago and 
this, that, and the other. So, like, I was thinking, like, maybe that conversation had been had with the Jets front office organization. And they said they probably wouldn't extend him. That's just speculation on my part. You know, nobody go running with that as a report. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought that was odd. But, like, like Ian Rappaport told us many weeks ago, trade talks, and he was talking about Yannick and Gakwe specifically, but trade talks do ramp up around this time, you know, and, and people know that Leonard Fournette has had a history with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe a breath of fresh air is, uh, you know, what he's needed. I mean, who to say, who's to say uh, maybe Leonard Fournette after seeing everybody, you know, be traded and whatnot uh, has maybe gone to his agent and said he's open to it too. And maybe that's how this all got started. But uh, I guess time will tell like ultimately uh, where he ends up. I think another big part of this is, while, you know, I know Adrian Peterson had a little bit of success uh, with the Redskins, but, you know, when I, I watch the, the offense that Jay Gruden ran, as, at least of the last few years or so, you know, I don't know that Leonard Fournette is going to necessarily get the carries that he want, so to speak. Um, that's not to say that they would completely abandon the run game, but I think that's something to consider here, too. Like, how much of a part of this offense is Leonard Fournette going to be under Jay Gruden? And exact, I mean, to be honest with you, we don't know what the identity of this offense is or this team in general is right now. It's a it's a team that's still searching for its identity. So, yeah, that's my take on it. We've all long speculated that, you know, Dave Caldwell maybe has been one to, you know, get rid of the guys that, you know, felt more like Tom Coughlin's doing than his. Uh, that might be something to do with it, but... Again, we'll see like what happens during the draft. And um I, I think they if the move happens, they're gonna do it before the draft. Therefore, they know like what kind of hand they have going into the situation and whether they need to draft a, you know, a Cam Akers or Taylor or somebody even later than that. Yeah, and I think that's something people will be interested to hear us talk about here very shortly. We're gonna do actually a, our three round mock draft here at the end of the episode. Um, just like UJ, I, I think if it's going to happen, it'll happen here within the next few days. I don't necessarily see him being part of any kind of draft day packages. And, you know, there's also talk about, you know, with everything going on as far as this being a pretty difficult draft, you know, for everybody and having to adjust. Uh, there's also a lot of talk about less draft day trades than we have ever seen. So I know something we'll definitely keep an eye on and make sure you're staying tuned in with the Jaguars wire on Twitter and Facebook. And we will give you that up-to-date news as soon as it is available. But uh, next thing we want to talk about here, Jay, uh, we uh, we got an exciting opportunity to join a NFL Network conference call with uh, Daniel Jeremiah and ask him a few questions along with some other journalists, uh, great journalists from all across the country. Jay, I don't know about you, but I was kind of nerding out as far as some of those names that were in there <laughs> from where they were from as well. Um, but that was pretty cool. So uh, we're going to talk about some takeaways that we have pertaining specifically to the Jaguars. I was able to do a little bit of a write-up um, on my on my personal Facebook page, so I wanted to bring that to you guys here. So yeah, there were a lot of interesting takeaways. I'll just go over some of the, the key things as far as uh, it pertains to the Jaguars. Now, of course, a lot of fans are, are going to hope that the Jags go very heavy offensively so that they, they can bring in some weapons for Gardner Minshew. Here's how Daniel Jeremiah ranks the receivers. So number one, he has C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma uh, rated above all the other ones. Um, he said he can pretty much do anything pertaining to the wide receiver position. He wins versus press coverage. Uh, he's the most talented wideout in the draft after the catch and can also go get the ball in the red zone, uh, the red zone, I should say. Uh, he also has big playability and does all the dirty work you want a receiver to do on third down. And the main thing that he stressed is competitive, competitive, competitive. And that is a direct quote from Daniel Jeremiah. That's something he really values when it comes to the wide receiver position. Number two, he has Jerry Judy. Of course, we've heard from a lot of people he's the best route runner in the draft, best suited for the slot, which I which I found very interesting as far as his specific skill set. He's uh, wins off the line and has is just unbelievable at the top of his route. Uh, has good burst, but not as physical at the catch point as CD Lamb is. And then third, he has Henry Ruggs, uh, just natural hands, top notch speed but catches everything unlike some of the other speedy receivers we've seen in the past, Jay. Uh, he pointed out specifically like a Ted Ginn Jr., Darius Hayward Bay, guys that were just blazing fast but couldn't necessarily catch the ball. Um, not as polished at route running as some of the other guys, so he will need some work as far as that. And he has something that Daniel called the curse of speed, which can make it very difficult for him to get in and out of breaks. I mean, he, we all know what a just athletic freak at Henry Ruggs is going to be. Um, as far as a comparison, he said if he's used correctly – 
He could be a Tyreek Hill. And we've seen how Andy Reid and the coaching staff over there in Kansas City have utilized Tyreek Hill since he came in. A couple of other things here. Uh, As far as the defensive prospects, uh, he was asked, how does he rank those as far as the top three, which would be um, Derek Brown, Jeffrey Okuda, and Isaiah Simmons. He has Okuda as pretty much the pretty much the you know can't miss prospect in terms of the defensive players um, with Isaiah Simmons falling behind there. Now, I, Jay, you and I don't really believe that they're going to be in play for Okuda and Simmons unless there's a trade up, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I want to talk about Derek Brown specifically. We've talked about this. What Jaguar Twitter for some reason doesn't seem to be very high on Derek Brown. Jay, I know you and I are, um, but Daniel mentioned his ability to dominate and against the run but he's not an elite pass rusher. So uh, before the draft process, he actually started second or third on his rankings as far as the uh, this upcoming draft. He now has him ranked fifth. So just kind of take that for what it's worth uh, as far as Jaguar Twitter goes and, and you listeners. So I'm still very high on Derek Brown, and, and I, I would sprint to the podium if he was available there at number nine. So the last thing I want to talk about is the quarterbacks. Uh, he believes that Tua is, is better in terms of his instincts, touch, accuracy, and just a better overall feel for the game over Justin Herbert. Uh, Herbert is bigger and, and stronger and also is a better athlete. Um, but Tua has actually proven to, you know, dominate against top-notch competition where he never saw Herbert do that. Um, he's also, but on the other side of things, Herbert has actually proven to be more durable. What he really thinks though is for both players, it's going to come down to the right situation. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth as well. Jay, you and I don't think, despite what Tony just said, I don't think they should entertain a quarterback. I still believe, and I think you do as well, they're going to move ahead with Minshew this year and then take a look at maybe one of those top prospects in 2021. So the very last thing I'll talk about here is we've heard a lot about C.J. Henderson just flying up the boards. He said it's a it's a huge possibility for the Jags to take him over at nine. He has C.J. ranked as his 21st overall player. And uh, he's a better athlete than Okuda, but not as good a football player. He has to clean up his tackling and get better consistently at locating the ball and finding the ball when it's in the air. Um, I think it would be a bit of a stretch, but he, he believes that the most likely scenario is that the Jaguars are going to trade out of that nine spot. So, Jay, I know I talked a lot, talked about a lot of stuff there, um, threw a lot at you. Um, but again, a lot of really good information in that conference call. So thanks so much to DJ for doing that for all of us. But uh, yeah, as far as everything that I just mentioned there, Jay, what stands out uh, as far as what we were able to gather from Daniel Jeremiah? So, yeah, starting with the uh, the receivers, as you said, he has them ranked. Uh, they got, um, is it Lamb, Judy, and then Ruggs. Uh, for me, I think Judy, I got Judy ranked ahead of Lamb slightly. It's not like by a large margin. I think they're kind of like, they'll hear what Tony said. I think they're like so closely matched to the point. Like you could really say like they could be like 1A and 2B in terms of like, ranking them together. So I, I personally got Judy though, because of, uh, and Daniel Jeremiah actually spoke on this too, but Judy has gone against fiercer competition in the SEC. Uh, you know, he's seen these cornerbacks from the university of Georgia, the university of Florida. Uh, when you talk about Henderson. So I think he's seen stiffer competition. Uh, but you know, DJ was also saying that being that lamb came from the big 12, he didn't put a lot, into it and he didn't really hold that against him uh what i like about lamb and why i feel like he's so closely matched to judy despite them being two different receivers i really like lamb because he feels similar of the mold should i say to uh deandre hopkins and as we all know the jacksonville jaguars could use a deandre hopkins because we've seen him uh torture us for many many years so that being said you know i think of those two guys I just mentioned, that makes Lamb the guy that the Jaguars probably uh, need the most out of the two because they have a lot of speedsters as it is already. I don't think they need another uh, Jerry Judy, but I mean, look, Jerry Judy's so talented. You can insert him into the the, the uh, receiving core and, and just go from there. Um, I'm not saying they should pass up on him or anything like that, but I think what for this receiving core and what they need I think they need more of a guy that, like you said, does that dirty work uh, and let Chark be the guy that streams the sidelines, if you will. And then uh, D.D. Westbrook, of course, could move into the slot where he had five touchdowns in 2018. 
So I think like that would just make the overall unit and that would give the Jaguars trio of uh, Chark, Lamb and Didi. That would give them a nice little trio from that standpoint if they could do that. But um, that's where I'm at on the receivers that you mentioned. In terms of rugs, I like rugs, love the soft hands. Um, I think he's a guy that a lot of people have been saying could ease up into that top 10. I still to this day, I know that's kind of died down since, but I still to this day wouldn't be shocked. If somebody got him in the top 10, uh, but I think like now as we get closer to the draft is a little less likely than it was, but still, I wouldn't be shocked to see somebody take a swing on him that early. So uh, the other part about it that you uh, mentioned, was it Brown next? Yeah, it was Derek Brown and uh, how, you know, basically Jags Twitter. And, and this is not what Jeremiah was referring to, but uh, Phil was referring to this part of it, but Jags Twitter isn't the highest on Derrick Brown. Look, I mean, I get it. I get it. A lot of people think he's just a two-down player. He doesn't offer a lot as a pass rusher, as DJ said. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I, I think if they can get Brown, they would have this defense similar along the lines of to the, how they had it when Dave Caldwell first got into the league and well, first came to the Jacksonville Jaguars when he had St. Derrick Marks and he had Roy Miller in the middle right there. Like While they weren't necessarily the best pass rushing team, the fact that they could stop the run really helped them that year, and they, they actually had a decent year defensively there, although, again, you know they weren't the best against the pass, but people could really never establish the run against them uh, as they have in the past, like especially last year, because obviously we lost Marcel Darius for the year, so... Yeah, he's a guy I'm still high on. I would gladly take him at the number nine overall pick. Uh, in terms of the quarterbacks, I agree with a lot of what Jeremiah said. Um, I do think – I think Tua is the best quarterback in this class. I said that on Fox Sports Valdosta. Of course, the injuries, though, is what is the big question mark about him. That's why Joe Burrow, I believe, will go over him. Um, and I don't think nobody else doubts that he won't. But – um. That's why Joe Burrow is going to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why you hear Justin Herbert's name over uh, Tua's. And, and believe it or not, I think it was Pete Prisco. He was saying that it's a lot of people, despite even if you take the injury out of this whole thing, uh, a lot of people like Herbert over Tua. And I can understand it because like Herbert is that prototypical guy in terms of what you want a quarterback to be uh, from a prototypical standpoint. You know, he's the athlete. He has the arm strength, uh, probably not as consistent, don't have the touch, however. So, you know, that's that's been something that's hurt scouts in the past, too, is just falling for the prototypical guy instead of the guy uh, that can sling the, bra- the ball properly, so to speak. So uh, that's where I'm at on the quarterbacks. On the Henderson thing, which was, as you said, that was the question I asked. You know, with, with Henderson – I said this also on, I think it was either Fox Sports or Savannah, uh, ESPN Savannah, but I think he's more suited to be a guy, if they trade it back to the 12 or 13, 14 range, that's where they should take him. But as a top 10 guy, not really feeling that, not saying he's a bad prospect or anything like that, but I think like it's some things in his man technique that he can clean up, and I I know a lot of people like his man to man technique, but it's it's some small things in there that he can clean up. The tackling thing doesn't bother me. That don't because your cornerback shouldn't be making a lot of tackles anyway. Uh, but that being said, uh, Jeff Okuda, as DJ said, I agree with them. Um, I, I think like clear cut the number one. I think it's a a decent gap between him and Henderson in terms of strictly when you look at just the cornerback position and how the cornerback position is played. Uh, Jeff Okuda does that better than anybody in this class. And uh, it's probably not close in the eyes of some. So, you know, Okuda's a guy like, look, if he starts to follow the five, six, something like that, the Jaguars with all the ammo they got, I mean, they're not going to make 12 draft picks anyway. You might as well trade up, see if you can get them and uh, essentially replace uh, Jalen Ramsey with the next Jalen Ramsey in terms of how people have spoke upon uh, Jeff Okuda, why not do that and replace him? And then, you know, you got two young corners with him and Trey Herndon for many, many years to come. Yeah, Daniel said a lot of really interesting things. I'm I'm there with you for sure, Jay, as far as CJ Henderson. I would not be very happy if they were to go ahead and take him at nine. Like you said, if they move back a little bit or if by some miracle he's there at 20, great. 
But at number nine, I mean, I think that's definitely a bit of a reach. But just as we mentioned with Tony, you know, they have been known to, you know, take risks early on in the draft and, um, and, and maybe even on players that we don't even know that they're specifically targeting. And, you know, with everything going on, of course, this crazy landscape that we're in, you know, who knows what teams are thinking? You know, it's not like analysts and, and these experts are in the office with them. They, they don't get to hear any, any specific things that they may usually get to hear on a quote unquote normal year. So we will, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how things pan out. And uh, I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm just really excited to see it happen. Finally, you know, we'll get some more sports. We had WrestleMania, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that was a, a nice little escape. It was a, a nice opportunity to feel a little, you know, normal and, and, and feel like things were getting back to where they were. But with the NFL draft coming up, I think a lot of people will just be happy to have that around. So uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, the very last part of this episode, Jay, which we're really excited to do is, which is our three round mock draft. So this will be our final mock draft here as far um, and before the, um, the draft here upcoming on Thursday, we're going to do one rounds, one, two, and three, no trades. So just as uh, we're just going to assume everything pans out the way that they are. So Jay, I will let you go first. So Roger Goodell is at the podium they make for him at home i don't know what they're gonna, <laughs> i don't know what they're gonna do but roger goodell is up there at nine there's no trade the jaguars are gonna make a pick who do you have uh, as far as uh, who they're gonna take there with the ninth overall pick yeah and uh in terms of this being our uh last mark i think i'm probably gonna do one for jazz wire like the full seven rounds i'll do that around uh maybe thursday morning or maybe wednesday so this will be our last mock and our only mock probably <laughs> for the Believe in Jazz podcast. So, yeah, for me, uh, and I know it's a little bit of a reach and some people won't say it's a reach, actually. But um, I went with Javon Kinlaw and I did that because uh, I know yesterday a lot of po- people saw the podcast um, that I went on in Oklahoma uh, where I chose, was it Andrew Thomas over Kinlaw? And then the more and more I thought about it. And what Dave Caldwell has been saying and, you know, like just the things coming out of the building, it doesn't make sense that they would go offensive tackle there. Or even if they want to put Thomas at guard, it doesn't make sense that they want to do that from just what they've been saying and how they value this defensive tackle class, which Dave Caldwell also said has a big gap after the uh, the elite guy. So that's something else to consider here. So I went with Ken Law uh, because he was the basically the best defensive player at the time on the board. And uh, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, they can move him up and down that line like they did with Calais Campbell. I would be really happy with that pick. It was very interesting when Tony said that he wouldn't go Ken Law at nine. We didn't get a chance to really go in depth with him as far as why he wouldn't like that specific choice. Um, For me, Jay, uh, I would be, like I said, just pretty ecstatic with either Ken Law or Brown. Um, That being said, with the the pick that I was able to to do as far as the mock draft that I went through, Derek Brown was actually available at nine. Now I'm very aware that that might happen, but I'm also very aware that I think a lot we're gonna we're in for a lot of surprises, and I think they're gonna happen very early on. So a guy like Derek Brown may slide to us uh, because a team like the Panthers or the Chargers or even the the Cardinals might go somewhere that we're not necessarily expecting. So I went with Derek Brown. Uh, because he was the best player available there. I did consider Jerry Judy, which I have seen mocked to us here in a couple of mock drafts in this past week. Um, but Derek Brown, the opportunity to shore up that defensive line, like you said, you know, Clay is gone, Yannick about to be gone. Derek Brown uh, fits in perfectly here with Josh Allen and uh, would be really excited to see uh, what he would be doing going forward. So Jay went Javon Kinlaw. I went Derek Brown uh, as far as best player available here at number nine. Uh, Jay, who did you get for number 20 for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, this is a spot where I kind of wish, but I guess we'll have to see how the board falls, but I kind of wish they would trade back more to that 25 range. But that being said, I went with Justin Jefferson from LSU. Everybody know I like Justin Jefferson. I've mocked him to us before. I praised him on Twitter. Uh, I've also praised uh, Denzel Mims, who that's what I, who I would get if they move back into like the 25 range if he was available but you know Jefferson is a guy that you pairing him back up with DJ Chark I think DJ Chark and him played together when Jefferson was a freshman Uh, I think that's the age gap between those two so yeah you bring Justin Jefferson in here Uh, as I was saying um, earlier DJ Chark is a guy that you know do all of your uh, deep balls and streaking the sidelines he's your speed guy 
Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have already a lot of speed guys. So that being said, like I, I kind of have strayed away from speed guys and in, in my mocks and whatnot. And Jefferson is a guy that, you know, he got, he caught a lot of balls, a lot of slants in the interior uh, because I mean, he did play in the slot for crying out loud for the most part. So uh, he's a guy that is used to catching those interior balls and he can offer some underneath stuff. Uh, while, like I said, DJ Chart works the sidelines and you can probably squeeze DD uh, in the slot receiver position. Yeah, I don't have too much to add here, Jay, because I also went Justin Jefferson, who was available there at number 20. I did consider Denzel Mims, who you and I are, are really big fans of. You know, Baylor just keeps <laughs> producing these wide receivers and I would be really excited to see him as a fan of the Big 12 over there with the University of Texas, as I am a Texas fan. But yeah, I went with Justin Jefferson as well, just for all those reasons. Now, I would be interested, Jay, to just kind of hear your thoughts. So as far as you say, putting him into the slot. Now, a lot of people really think that that might be best suited for D.D. Westbrook. So what do you think those guys would just kind of alternate if they did go this way? Or what do you think? Do you think one would take precedent over the other? No, no, no. What I was saying is um, Justin Jefferson and D.J. Chart would be X and Y. Uh, so that you know they'll be your exterior receivers, and okay, then what I, I was, saying, I was saying that Justin Jefferson played a lot in the uh, slot at LSU, like predominantly. So uh, that it'll be a move for him actually, and we would put Didi in the slot position. Got it, got it. Okay, I misheard you. Okay, perfect. Well, moving on to the second round here, Jay. Who do you have the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting at number forty-two? Yeah, so I went with AJ Terrell. Uh, of course, we know this team. Uh, needs a cornerback and they need one relatively early because they need a starting cornerback to pair with Trey Herndon. Um, some would even argue maybe get two cornerbacks early, but I think Herndon uh, showed us enough last year to certainly get a chance and the opportunity. And I mean, like, you can't really go wrong with them in, in terms of the growth he showed. And, you know, he's on a very affordable, undrafted rookie deal. So, if you're going to start in corner for that kind of money, you know, even compared to what Jalen Ramsey was making as a rookie. And uh, if you want to compare it to what AJ Boyer was making as like a top four corner in terms of salary, that's a significant difference in terms of money going into that position. Um, and then you add a, a second round rookie who you won't have to pay a lot there. But um, AJ Terrell, long, lanky corner, six foot one, roughly 195. A lot of people would say he needs to. Add a little bit more weight to his frame, of course, and uh, probably bulk up, which I agree with. And, you know, dealing with the um, DeAndre Hopkins of the world and, you know, the Julio Jones of the world. And I, I know, again, that Hopkins is out of the division. But, you know, there are going to come times where he deals with those stronger receivers. And a lot of people would also say he's more suited for man to man or a man-to-man type of scheme. So depending on, like, what the Jaguars do this year, we don't know, like, what kind of changes they're going to be making. A lot of people would say he may not be a fit from uh, that perspective because he's not a quote-unquote a zone guy, so to speak. But I don't think it really matters. Uh, like I said, I, I like his length. Uh, I think even if they, you know, are predominantly a zone team, I think uh, the Jaguars could greatly benefit from his recovery skills. And, um, I, you know, I think with some refinement – and, uh, you know, some proper NFL coaching, I think he'll be just fine. And I, I think he is a good fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep, I went with A.J. Terrell as well, Jay. Um, of course, they're going to have to address the needs at defensive back here in the draft in the second round, I think, is where you can get really, really good value. Now, I do want to ask you a question. Of course, A.J. Terrell had one really, really bad game last year, and it was against LSU. Now, granted, a lot of players are going had really, really bad games against LSU, uh, but Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase really kind of teamed up and gave him just a lot of problems in that game. Um, he does have a lot of pros. He's a good tackler. Uh, can also, of course, play in the slot um, from what I've seen. Uh, makes really good reads as far as zone coverage and, and can make a break in a play to, to make a play on the ball, I should say. But just looking at that game in mind, and it's really not fair, I know, to point out that one game. But when you're looking at top-notch competition – you know, you, you bring in a guy like A.G. Terrell who struggled against against LSU and you look at I'm just looking at next year. You know, luckily, the Texans have traded away DeAndre Hopkins because they're the greatest organization ever that I've ever seen. <laughs> but as far as just our opponents next year, you got guys like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Marquise Goodwin uh, from not Marquise Goodwin, um, Hollywood Brown, I'm sorry, over in Baltimore. Um, you got a guy uh, over in, in Minnesota. Um, what's the name of the receiver that's left? 
uh, not Diggs, but the other one, Thielen, Adam Thielen, Devontae Adams coming to town. So some of the guys like that, do you, do you have any worries that he str- he kind of seemed to struggle when it came to the top-notch competition? Well, I mean, my thing is like LSU would make a lot of people look foolish if we be in right. And I mean, that's, that's why he would fall in the second round. It's like uh, a lot. I think a lot of people are holding that game against him. Uh, but look, man, with with the proper coaching and technique, uh, it, a lot of his issues are, are easily fixable. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's a lot of if you look back in the past, it's a lot of prospects that when you pop on the film, it's like, oh, they struggled against that elite team or this elite team, and they turn out to be fine pros. So, you know, he, he's he got a lot of growing to do in terms of uh, fulfilling uh, what he can be at his max potential. And I, like I said, I just think, you know, and also, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars have proven to be able to, to put together elite defensive lines, at least Dave Caldwell has been. And that was dating back to, you know, his first years here when he got Cinderic Martz and uh, Roy Millers. So that's another thing that I'm putting into this is, you know, while we harp on Dave Caldwell's like misses and, and, and some of his flaws and whatnot, I do believe that he does have the ability to shore up that defensive line to make whoever's playing cornerback uh, have an easier time out there uh, as they're covering these elite receivers. Yeah, lots of good points there, Jay. And, and as I mentioned, I know it's not necessarily the most fair point to bring up as far as, you know, his struggles against LSU because a lot of people did that. But just something I wanted to discuss here with you. So moving on to the very last pick, uh, I know my my selection is pretty much a direct uh, result of what we heard about today and what we discussed earlier. So who did you have the Jaguars picking in the third round at number 73? Yeah, I got them picking Ashton Davis, who... um I know, like, you know, there's injury concerns, but um, I, I think it was his uh, it was a groin muscle or some, it was a core injury, whatever it was. And it, it prevented him from playing in their last game in December. And he uh, by the way, he played for the University of California. Uh, but I, I mean, this was a matter of just going best available player. And Ashton Davis is a guy that you could bring in. And I know I went heavy on defense, but it's just kind of how the board failed to me. But um, he's a guy that could come in and upgrade that safety position. And probably uh, you could probably remove Gerard Wilson out of there, who's not a terrible safety. He's just not an impact safety. And I think Ashton Davis is more of an impact safety. He's a guy that can play single high. He, he's a guy that can play, uh, you know, halves deep. However you want to do it. He's a guy that got versatility, uh, this, that, and the other. And, 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 you know, the reports say that medically – you know, that he got good news medically from uh, what I can recall. Don't quote me on that. But I think I did see recently that he got medical good news in terms of um, how he's doing. He went to see the infamous doctor. I forget his name that does all of the core surgeries for the NFL. He did Marcel Darius' surgery and uh, some other people, too. I think like Austin Safarian Jenkins and, and so on and so forth. So anyway, he got good news out of that. And if he's available in the third round, which I think is it's a possibility he could be, um, I think they should definitely consider it uh, because, like I say, he's a guy that offers flexibility in terms of what he could do uh, in, in terms of playing safety, whether it's single high or doubles, or he can come down and make tackles when you want him to. He's just an explosive guy. And, uh, he, you know, he has, like, I don't want to compare him to Eric Weddle, but he has a little bit of Eric Weddle in him. Um I don't know the exact comparison that I would go with for him, but yeah, you can see a little bit of Eric Weddle in, and uh, yeah, I would like to see that addition to our backfield. Yeah, that's a really good one too, Jay. And another guy, and a guy that has a lot of range um, from as far as the write up that was done on, over on the Jaguars wire, as well as a guy that can definitely you know lay the hammer down as far as uh, as far as those big hits. So Eric Weddle, I think, is a really good comparison. Just a really, really great athlete too i mean i would really be i would be really excited to see that pick as well shore up that defensive end or, i mean sorry shore up the uh the secondary for us so for me jay i went cam Akers. um he was still available there in the third round in the mock draft that i did um he is one of the guys that as far as we talked uh we talked about that the jaguars did have discussions with i think you said it was at the combine um but cam Akers, you know did a lot of really great things over at florida state really really great athlete great runner and uh, he's a guy that I would like to see here um, if, if we are going to go the route as far as moving on from Leonard Fournette, which I think is the play. So, Jay, talk a little bit about Cam Akers. Is there anything specific that you like about him? Yeah, he's a guy that I, I, I noticed a lot. In the, um, they, it looks like uh, Florida State used a lot of zone blocking 
Uh, he was a guy that changed directions really well, would go through the back door on you in a heartbeat, kept his legs churning. There's a lot to like about him. And then you, in terms of like the combine and whatnot, uh, he really from, you know, what the Internet says, really wild people in terms of his personality and uh, what he could do. I mean, hey, look, man, you got to have a strong personality, a, a bright, vibrant personality. And this is no disrespect to Florida State, but to go there for that long and the expectations to be what they were and not to exceed those expectations and just kind of deal with the the Willie Taggart era, if you will, and still, you know, come out week after week and, and do your best like Cam Akers did. Uh, he was a guy that you always frequently saw making plays uh, because, you know, it wasn't a lot of that going on, obviously, but you couldn't help but notice a guy like Cam Akers on the field. And uh, you, I would definitely want him part of the team. And I think, yeah, like, you know, if they're going to move on from Leonard Fournette, uh, that's one of the guys that makes sense. Um, I, I know uh, Jonathan Taylor would make sense, but you'll have to probably spend a late first round on him. It's, it's some guys in this draft that the Jacksonville Jaguars could get. And, uh, you know, they also got uh, Raquel Armstead waiting in the wings, too. So it's just a matter of getting somebody to pair with him. And you probably can have your nice little one-two duo if this offensive line makes the strides that Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone believes they will. Yeah, a lot of good things I think we could possibly see as far as the draft. One thing is for sure, um, there's going to be a lot of talent available, Jay. And I'm just really excited to see what they end up doing. Again, ultimately, to reiterate what Daniel Jeremiah said and what we believe here is that they're going to trade out of that number nine spot. So uh, it's it's who knows what's going to go on, guys. I'm just prepared for anything. So that's that's it, guys. We just wanted to cover those three rounds. We would love to hear what who you guys would like them to take. We'll specifically, we'll probably do a poll for number nine and number 20 and just kind of see how that goes. We got such a great response from the poll as far as the pride of the Jaguars. So we're hoping to get some the, some of the same interaction again. So Jay, that's pretty much it. This was a really, really fun episode and uh, really, really fun to link up with you here and during draft week. We'll probably have this episode up relatively soon. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. And then uh, I know tomorrow, which is Sunday for uh, for us, we're going to be doing an AFC South roundtable with some of our fellow Believe podcast hosts. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And Tony Pauline will be in there as well again. So Jay, before we get out of here, um, what what do the listeners and the readers have to look forward to right here on Believe and also over on the Jaguars Wire. Oh, Lord, they, a lot. <laughs> I just put together, and I didn't even do the full week schedule, but um, I got the schedule for Thursday alone done, and it's, it's crazy. We're going to have post-draft content, you know, uh, review some mocks, the, the last mocks that surface on the web in terms of what the Jags do, uh, following the news to the T in terms of any rumors that come out uh, before the Jaguars make their selection or or the draft starts in general. Uh, we'll have, you know, we'll have stuff up in terms of uh, who the Jags spoke with, uh, who they've met with, this, that, and the other, just everything that you need, all of your draft needs heading into the 2020 NFL draft, which again is going to be a, a very uh, different one, if you will. We're going to have all of that leading up into it. And then in terms of like after the selection is made, of course, we're going to have news. We're going to have quotes on how uh, the people in the front office think about the, the pick. And we're going to be interacting with the fans as we have with the Believe podcast in terms of putting out polls and, uh, you know, what do they think of the picks and, and what the Jags could have done better and how how is it looking for day two, this, that, and the other. All of that and more will be on the Jaguars Wire. That's right, guys. So make sure you're following us over there at the Jaguars Wire on Twitter as well as on Facebook. You can find the podcast page at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me over at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Again, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review and some comments. We love reading those comments over on Apple Podcasts. And again, you can also find us at Believe.com. And at Believe Podcast, Jay, this was a lot of fun. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe, do you? We will see you guys next time.
Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 